Welcome to Brain Chat. I'm Dr. Mitzi Joy Williams, your board-certified neurologist and MS specialist, and my mission is to engage, educate, and empower those affected by MS to become an active part of their healthcare team. Here on Brain Chat, we'll be discussing all things MS, health and wellness, advocacy, and we'll even throw a little bit of music and music therapy in there as well. Thank you so much for joining us, and stay tuned for the next episode. Well, happy Monday, friends. It is Dr. Mitzi, your board-certified neurologist, MS specialist, and my mission is to engage, educate, and empower those affected by MS to become an active part of their healthcare team. I am so, so excited to be here with you all on Brain Chat. Um, During this second Brain Chat of Black History Month, we spent some time uh, during our last show talking about MS in the Black population, and I'm very excited to have more of my super friends uh, with me today to discuss a project that's very near and dear to my heart, and that's the National African American MS Registry. All right, so let's talk about our guest tonight. Um, We've got two of my amazing super friends. We'll start with Dr. Stan Cohen, who is an MD, PhD, and he is uh, uh, at the uh, Providence Multiple Sclerosis Center. Um, He actually opened uh, what is now called the Providence Multiple Sclerosis Center in 2001. The center cares for more than 4,000 patients in the Northwest and beyond. He's a principal investigator in the natalizumab trial and is uh, the main investigator for BEST, which is another clinical trial. He is the founder of the Pacific Northwest Multiple Sclerosis Registry Project and a co-founder of the National African Americans with Multiple Sclerosis Registry. He earned his medical and doctorate degrees at the State University of New York Downstate Medical Center and completed residency at um, Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx and uh, uh, also went to Georgetown Hospital in D.C. where he later joined the Georgetown staff before he moved to Providence. And we also have Dr. Annette Okai, who's a neurologist and fellowship-trained multiple sclerosis specialist. Um, She is board certified by the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. She currently serves as the Director of Clinical Neuroimmunology at uh, NTINH, which is in North Texas. And in addition to her clinical practice, she is also actively engaged in multiple sclerosis clinical trials and has published in numerous neurologic and scientific journals. All right, so let's bring our guests up to the stage, Dr. Okai and Dr. Cohen. Welcome to Brain Chat. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it is such a pleasure to have you all. Uh, We spend a lot of time talking many times on Friday night about uh, this registry, and so I'm excited to bring this to the Brain Chat audience, not only to raise awareness, but also to talk about how far we've come since we did the show about the registry last year. So Dr. Okai um, was with us last year, and Dr. Cohen is joining us for the first time. So excited to have both of you all here. All right, so just tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got involved in what you do in the MS space, and then we'll go more specifically into the registry. So we'll start with Dr. Okai and then go to Dr. Cohen. Oh, well, thank you, Mitzi. I am excited to be here again and to talk about the registry. So thank you for having me. Uh, So my journey into MS was kind of, I will say, um, Uh, twisted. I went into neurology wanting to do something else, but then realized 
that with MS, you have a relationship with the patient for a very long time. And it's something that you can cultivate and you follow these patients over a long time as opposed to a one-time thing. And then at that time, the field was very young and it was growing and it was just exciting to see new things come onto the market. And I just got hooked in all the uh, immunology and all the uh, uh, new things that were happening in MS. So that's how my road into MS started. And, and now I am fully, fully engaged. I cannot see myself doing anything else. I love this field. I love my patients and I love what I do. So um, uh, I'm putting my passion uh, to work here. And also then I also do uh, MS studies, uh, usually um, uh, uh, with uh, drugs that are coming to the market or not only investigational drugs, but also approved therapies or like the registry that we're going to talk about today. So very, very, uh, very passionate about research as well. So I'm excited to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. So we finished um, fellowship around the same time. Yes, and we, we did. actually have been uh, good friends since we finished our training. We say that we're twins, even though we don't look alike, kind of like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito twins. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but you know, it really has been amazing to go along this journey and see how the field has changed so much um, from when we started to where we are now. And Dr. Cohen, I know that you have some perspective on that. Um, as you are the veteran amongst us, you know, tell us a little bit how you got involved in MS. Well, first of all, I want to thank you, Mitzi, for doing this. It's just thrilling to be on this. I really mean it. This is, you know, the journey that the four or five or six of us have taken over the last three and a half years from just an idea to reality in forming the registry. It's just, it's just been one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done as a physician. Now, wow. um, as you may have noticed, I'm older than the you others. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. No yes, way, much, Jose. Much, much, <laughs> and I was in neurology in the 1960s and early 70s. There was no therapy. So you make this tragic diagnosis, and then you try to find words of encouragement for people for which you had nothing to offer. And we all know what happens to people with MS who aren't treated at all. It was very grim. And I was very fortunate in that in 1972, I was approached and asked if I would be willing to participate in a new molecule that was thought to perhaps be of benefit to people with MS. Here I was looking surrounded by tragedies for years, <clears throat> and all of a sudden there was this opportunity, and I jumped at it, and that was in beta interferon. And it got approved. And I remember sitting in an airport with some of the other people in the group, <clears throat> and we had to pick a name for it. And I wanted to call it beta terrific or beta wonderful. <clears throat> and I was told that the FDA probably wouldn't go for that. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and since then, in the, in the 28 years or whatever it is that's passed, since those early approvals of the interferons, we've just seen this never-ending, well-targeted, passionate effort on the part of people to create new medicines, on the part of physicians to take care of the patients on those medicines, and for people like the three of us to wholeheartedly engage in clinical trials to help with the development of these drugs. 
and and the future looks even brighter. I mean, what's yeah. coming down the pike now is still another generation of exciting new things that for the first time may really address progressive disease. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Missy, yeah. for letting me. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, what an amazing perspective, right? So, you know, we came in early, but you came in actually before there was anything, you know. And so it has been really amazing to see the advances in the science, right? There's still a lot that we don't understand, um, but there's more and more that we're understanding. And uh, it seems like the more we understand, the more questions we have. But I love the fact that we're kind of on the cutting edge of science and figuring out kind of what the targets are with MS, et cetera. Now let's switch gears and talk a little bit about MS, particularly in the Black population. So I became interested in MS in the Black population because I live in the South. I live in Atlanta, ATL, as somebody put in the chat. And all of, a lot of my patients were Black. And so it was very much different from what I saw in, you know, uh, or what I learned in my training was what a typical MS patient looked like. And so as I began to see these patients and saw that some of them had worse outcomes, not everybody, um, it then began uh, this question of, well, why are we seeing these things? What kind of literature do we have? And of course, as you all know, there's very little scientific information. Um, you know, the number of papers and the information we have is growing, but there's still a lot of questions that we have. So let's talk about kind of the importance of a project like the registry and, and why something like this even needed to be created? So I'll go first, Mitzi. Uh, like you, I practiced, or I started in a city, uh, Philadelphia, that had a, a huge population of African-Americans with MS. And Looking at myself going into the field, I mean, you and I have been there um, looking at people like, why do you want to go into MS? Why don't you do stroke where it affects more black people? And I said, well, no, I see a whole lot of black people with MS as well. But like you said, what I saw between African-Americans with, uh, with MS and the Caucasian counterpart was quite different. And, and we started talking, you and I, like, why is it different? And there were a few questions being raised at that time. It wasn't at the forefront like we wanted it to be. And mm -hmm. But starting out new in the field, we just didn't know where to start or, hard to go, uh, or which way to go. I mean, we put effort into a few projects and say, what if we look at it this way or that way? And it's like, okay, it's really not gaining traction. But it was important because we needed to answer the questions as to why it afflicted this population different from the counterparts. And so it was quite uh, fortunate that I was in Portland visiting Dr. Cohen uh, and he said, I want to talk to you about what I've been thinking about. And I said, sure. He's like, I'm thinking that we need to start something that we can really look at a good group of patients, something like a registry that I have here, and try to start to answer these questions. I'm like, great. And I started writing names down. I say, I know who 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 else uh, is interested in this kind of topic. And, you know, you are my twin in this business. And I put Mitzi and, and a, a, a few others, um, uh, Dr. Annette Howard. And, and, and so we just got together and said, we need to get this thing off the ground 
to answer the question because we need passionate people, people who are caring people, and also people who can commit to this kind of project because it's a huge project to try to quantify as best as, as we can. The first, the number of patients, uh, of uh, MS patients who are African-Americans, and then start to answer all those deep questions. So that's how we started with this. And I'll take a break and then pass it over to Stan, who can take it from there and also add his, his piece to that. Well, my experience, <clears throat> excuse me, my experience was not different from yours. I trained in the Bronx, and all the textbooks in medical school said that well, multiple sclerosis doesn't occur in black people. It's a white person's disease. Yeah. <clears throat> and I said, somebody made a mistake with the script because <laughs> here I am in New York City with a significant number of you know, uh, African-American people with MS. Then I moved to Washington, D.C., and I saw a flood of people who were black with multiple sclerosis and said, something's wrong here. And over the years, we just continued the same old assumptions about frequency, severity, without really knowing what we're talking about. And if you look at the literature on disease patterns, risks, responses to medicine, there's something that's always missing. And what's always missing is black people. So I would, I'll make a thumbnail guess and say that there's probably at least 100,000 African-American people with multiple sclerosis in the United States. 13% of the population, they're talking about, you know, somewhere between 700,000 and a million people with MS. It all fits very well. Mm. Where are they? Right. Who's finding them? Who's teaching them about the disease? Mm. Because I believe that the reason we weren't seeing African-American patients in papers, in research, was that no one was taking the effort to do it. They were being underserved. And underserved in the sense of no one was making an effort to gain the knowledge necessary to treat them the best way we could. That's why the registry got born in my mind. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, it's a critical, critical deficit we must address. Because if yeah. people don't have knowledge and if people don't have access, they can't get the care they deserve. And that's Absolutely. Can't go Absolutely. On. Yeah, I mean... Listen, that you preached a whole sermon, Stan. And, you know, the registry has really been a career-long dream of mine. And I remember in those early days, you know, when I would see all this data from all these different registries, you know, I would sit and talk with Annette. It's like, gosh, we need a registry, you know. And being very early in our careers, you know, I would kind of wave my hands at the back of the meeting and say, we need a registry, we need a registry. But no one was really interested, you know. And so I even went as far as to work with some groups we tried to apply for some grants and kind of floated around and yeah. nobody would bite and no so we did. just had yeah no one would bite and so we had this idea and we're like oh my gosh and so you know when Stan came along and he also had the same passion it was just a synergy um, and even with all of us, you know, having, you know, certain levels of expertise and, you know, gain certain levels of traction in our careers, it still took us several years to get it off the ground. We had many meetings. Um, I remember we would meet at every meeting and talk about kind of how far we had come. But finally, all the stars aligned and the pieces fell into place and we launched in September 2020, which was an amazing feat in uh, the midst of a pandemic. And I'm so excited that we were finally able to get things off the ground and get started. So so what do we hope to gain from this knowledge uh, from the registry? 
Well, first, I will say stand up and be counted, like uh, one of our colleagues, Dr. Kimbrough, say be counted, mm -hmm. be in the numbers so you can if, uh, have an effect on the change. Because if you're not counted, then, you know, resources aren't uh, available to you, just like the census. Right. You have to be counted and then they allocate resources. So if they estimate that we have is correct, let's say and point it out is over 100,000. Well, it's important that you join this registry. So we have the numbers, there's power in numbers. So we have the numbers and we can then show the uh, community, look, this is, this is the, uh, what we have. This is the number of patients. And then not only that, we can also start to gather uh, and, and and I say gather good scientific data as opposed to just observation. Because right now what we have in the literature is mainly observation and not and and we don't have data really targeted to this population to make the uh, uh, the conclusions that we have. They're all based on observation. So we need to move from observation to clean scientific data and then come up with what uh, we need for this population in terms of service, in terms of care, in terms of treatment. So I'd like to build on what Annette, Dr. O'Connor was just saying. Um, let's take a specific concrete example. Do black people require the same dose of medicine X as white people? It happens with other medicines and other disease groups. Are there certain medicines that a certain number of black people who uh, may not may not react very well to. We have no idea. So are there certain medicines that are better than others? It is in other disease entities. We don't know because we've never had the opportunity to examine how significant numbers of people, because you need numbers, significant numbers of people interact with a medicine. Is this the best medicine for you? Should we be starting this medicine sooner in this group of people versus that group of people? These are critical questions and we can't answer them. My two colleagues right on the screen in front of you wrote a paper a couple of years ago um, in which I think how many African-American people were in it? 200 and something. And it was considered a landmark paper because there mm -hmm. were so many black people in the paper. That's preposterous. Not the paper wasn't preposterous. <laughs> but the number, the fact that that was a landmark number. So, yeah, don't get us in any trouble, Dad. <laughs> but the point is that how few people. I mean, you look at these big international studies, and I got 44 African-American people out of 1,200 patients. You can well, I mean... I mean, Stan, if you have seven, I mean, there there was a page paper published and there was seven African-Americans and it was a, and it's a big paper. Mm -hmm. Seven. All right. So for the audience, yeah. uh, yes. you know, we, we don't want to overstate it. You're smart. You get it. Is that mm -hmm. the only way that we're going to learn the information we need to benefit African-American people with MS is to get the information from significant right. numbers of African-American patients with MS. So we'll know what's best, we'll know what's worst, we'll know who's at greater risk, what to avoid, what to go after, and also the opportunity to teach as many people about the disease as possible. Because right. knowledge is power. You should know 
what to demand. You should know what to expect. You should know what to look out for. Mm-hmm. And unless you have access to those materials readily available, then you're being cheated. Right. And if I say my two colleagues have been writing a newsletter <laughs> that <laughs> the African-American registry, and it has exactly that purpose, that goal yeah. is to educate our community about the illness, about the medicines, about the risks, all that stuff. And that's what right. I'm going to unfold over the next one to two years. Absolutely. And and one of the things that I do love about registries is that, you know, it is a way to get involved that uh, doesn't necessarily, um, you know, uh, it's kind of a way to kind of dip your toe into research, right? You can answer some questions. Your data is not identified. We don't go around saying, you know, Mary said so-and-so and so-and-so, you know, so you're separated from the data and then we can use that and collect that information to help better understand MS in certain populations. You know, we do believe in the importance of increasing diversity in clinical research, but we know that clinical trials are not for everybody, right? So, but there is some way that everybody can be involved in research and helping us better understand the community so that we can make sure that people are getting the best care possible. And so, you know, a registry is a really good way to kind of dip your toe in there, so to speak, um, and get involved in that research process um, and see how you like that. And then maybe you move on to doing something else, or maybe you do move on to doing another registry or something like that. What are some thoughts about getting involved or the importance of getting involved in that scientific process? I see you want to say something, uh, Annette. Well, I just like to build up a build off of what you said. You know, most people when when research comes to mind, they think about a product or a drug that is not yet approved and they're very hesitant because they don't want to be tested on. But there are different types of research and there are different ways you can get involved. And let's and let's take the registry for example. It's it's research. We call it research, but we are not using any new drugs or experimental drugs, but you're contributing. I'll give an example. How did we come up with what is normal for cholesterol, what is normal to, you know, that is heart protective for cholesterol? It was looking at a group of nurses from the Northeast Boston over 20 plus years. And, and, the, and these people are still being followed and, it, and it's called a nurse's health study. So to come from the nurse's health study, they say, okay, this is when you should get your mammogram. This is what, no, what is normal for blood pressure. This is what is normal for your cholesterol. But this started back in the 60s or 70s, if I'm not mistaken. Now, is that really representative of the entire population? No, because when when they went back, they realized that, no, this was mostly a Caucasian population. And all those numbers did not apply to people of color, Black, Hispanics, and all of that. So now when you look at what is is uh, required as normal for kidney function, they have a separate number for Blacks and a separate number for, for Whites because they learned from that, from that whole nurse's study, that, oh, this is a homogeneous population and not as diverse. So take that, for example, if we had such a, a, a opportunity to follow people over time, we can answer a whole lot of questions that is relevant to this population and it's not generalizing just because we have about 
you know, mostly Caucasian in there. This is particular to this po population and we're not missing any steps. So research can come in different forms, in different uh, fashion. And it's important that you are represented, you uh, uh, people with MS, Black people with MS are represented because how do we know, like Stan mentioned earlier, that your immune system respond to this medication the same as, as a Caucasian person? We do not unless we have the numbers to prove it. Absolutely. And, you know, when I think about some of the big questions that we have, one of the things that always comes up when we talk about outcomes, uh, because when I say there are some studies that suggest that Black people do worse with MS, it's like, just like most other diseases, you know, there are studies that suggest that Black people do worse with MS. So we think about these social determinants of health. And one of the big pieces that's so difficult to tease out when we see studies that say um, maybe Black people have more disability, maybe they have more walking problems, is that we don't have a good handle on how these social determinants of health play a role in these outcomes, like access to care. Do you have access to an MS specialist or a neurologist who has a special interest in MS and is aware of different treatments? Um, do you have transportation to get to your doctor's visits? You know, what other health conditions do you have? Like, do you have things like diabetes and hypertension because of environment or inability to get, you know, fresh foods, those types of things? And so there's so many things um, that make it a little bit difficult to tease out. And that's why it's so important for us to get large amounts of information from a variety of people in different places across the U.S to really help better understand why we're seeing the, the differences that we're seeing. Yeah. All right. So now, what does the registry entail? So if someone wanted to get involved with this registry, what does that mean? So becoming a part of the registry, what, what would that mean for someone who's watching the podcast? How would they get involved? Well, there's a, web, there's a website. There's an address, which I'm sure um, our host can provide uh, everyone. And you just sign up and you, you'll be asked to uh, electronically sign a little document that means that you are agreeing to participate. Um, and if you do agree to participate, you'll be sent a, admittedly a lengthy um, survey because we want to learn a lot. Some of it's about your illness, some of it's about medicines you may be taking. And other things as well, you know, you know, um, what's the impact of where you live on access to care? What's the impact of your socioeconomic status? And some of the questions are a little personal, but I want to return to what Dr. Williams said. No one knows who you are. Right. You are never identified with your name. No individual person, even without their name, is ever described. Everything's described in terms of the group. And then that survey will be sent to you once a year to see if the, how things have changed. Are you on different medicines? Are you doing as well as you were with your MS and so on to give us a longitudinal understanding of how well our patients are doing. There's also the newsletter, and I'll let the others may want to speak about that a little bit. As being a member of the registry, you will automatically get each newsletter that's written and it addresses a number of different, very important topics in multiple sclerosis. Again, to teach, to inform, to empower your ability to access what you need. So I'll stop there. 
Yeah. So I think the one piece that was very important to us in our conversations was to make sure that we give something back. So many times when people participate in research, they may never hear back about the results. Uh, Most people aren't combing medical journals for the final papers from whatever uh, they participated in. And so it was very important to us to make sure that there was some element of education that we give back and certainly As we begin to publish research, we want to make sure people are abreast of what their information was used for. So that newsletter is a very important component that, you know, we definitely put time and effort into, you know, looking at different topics and making sure that we are giving something back to the community that so graciously gives us of their time um, and of their information. Um, Anything you want to add to that, Dr. Okai? I think uh, everything that has been said has been on point. We want to educate, give back, you know, because you are giving us so much of your uh, time and information that we need to help the community. We also want to give you the resources so that you are an advocate for your own care. And that, uh, like uh, Dr. Cohen said, you know what you need to ask. You know what you need to demand, actually, and how to go about uh, 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 making this journey of, of MS a better one for you. And also then we provide quality scientific data to the MS community so that the Black uh, uh, patient with MS is not underserved, that when people see you in the office, they have information. This is what I need to look out for when I am treating someone, a Black person with MS. This is what they respond to or they do not respond to. Instead of just falling in the habit, one MS patient is the same as the other. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, uh, that's such an important point that not only do we help educate the patient community, but we help educate our peers, uh, some of whom have come through training at the same time as we have and maybe have not seen as diverse a population. And so Mm kind of adding this information will help everyone to treat all of their patients better Mm -hmm. uh, with multiple sclerosis. So how far have we come? So last year we did this. How far have we come? How many people are involved with the registry and, and what kind of advances have we made? Well, I think we have about 400 registrants, which is actually fewer than we'd hoped for. Yeah. And uh, we're hoping, for instance, that reaching out to uh, patients th- through um, opportunities like this, that more people will learn of the registry and yeah. be interested in joining it. Um, so, we've, again, you know, we, we were just an idea uh, three and a half, four, eight years ago. And we've had a, we have a very strong supporter that doesn't interfere at all. They've allowed us to house it there. Um, they actually, some of the people who work there are actually volunteer and helping in terms of data input and data analysis. So it's been very exciting. We've really made tremendous progress and we're getting to the point now where um, there's a publication that's been written that's in the final stages of being submitted to be published. Uh, we've had several presentations at important neurology meetings uh, and more coming. So it's beginning to take shape. We're beginning to be able to start using the information we've gathered to make the medical world at least more aware of the special issues that are involved in the special needs of the Black uh, MS community. Yeah, yeah and, and so our goal is... 
Go ahead, go ahead. Annette. No, I was saying to add on to that, not forgetting that we launched in the pandemic. So in the midst of the pandemic, so we have come this far. 400, uh, we have doubled that landmark paper that you talked about. Already. <laughs> yeah, already. <laughs> we have doubled that. But uh, people are surprised and people are beginning to sit up and take notice. And, mm -hmm. and that is key. Now people are coming to us as the major source and as an authority in uh, uh, black people with MS and say, how can we, how can we uh, get more people involved? You know, and, and that's where the newsletters and that's where the email the email uh, 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 blasts come about. So I will give several examples where for all those people that we were waving our hands to and say, please help us. We want to do this. Could you please fund us? And we were just ignore it. They're now saying, oh, how can we, how can we get in on this? Right. How can we get in? How can we uh, uh, make this better? And then people who want to have more inclusive research are coming to us and say, can you help us recruit? Right. Now we are very, uh, very, um, discreet we are also very mindful of where of how we how we um uh, deal with these people because once again we don't want any personal information getting out but by providing the information to our registrants then that gives the registrants the opportunity to be to be aware and mm -hmm. then to be involved if they want to yeah. So we're Absolutely. also selective. So we want to know how this information is going to be used. Yeah. Somebody who thinks they've got some bright idea, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, or the use of the information might not be appropriate. So we sit in judgment of every request in terms of the quality of what would be done, done with that information. And it's very interesting that I think we've the, the three of us and the other members of our group have been approached repeatedly by industry and other groups. You know, we want to do something. We know we have to do something, but they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And they've been coming to us for advice about what should we do. And that's fine with us because we're more than happy to tell them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we've got ideas. We're not short on ideas. Yeah. 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 And so what is different about this registry, right? So there are several large registries. There are several national registries. I won't name any particular names, but what makes this registry stick out or uh, stand out aside from the fact that it is focused on African-Americans? So is the first registry of its kind. Um, but what about the leadership? Well, fortunately, the leadership is not only talented and appealing, but Black. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll take the risk of saying this, you know, on this broadcast. When I first met Dr. Williams and Dr. O'Connor and Dr. Howard, I asked them to reassure me that I was not just another old white guy with a good idea. And, and <laughs> it, this, this registry is for black Americans. This registry is to be run by black Americans. They are the spirit and the soul of this thing. And that's what's very, very different. There may be other very, very well-meaning groups, you know, People who aren't African-American, who want to do something, I mean, that's what was motivating me, but not having it really reflect what Black people recognize are the problems and what Black people recognize are the needs. That You have to have that, and this registry does. And, and that's yeah. such an important part of what this registry yeah. is about. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's quite difficult to have uh, someone who has is not in the culture really represent that culture. Well, you have to have someone that knows how, how you know that 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 is blended with the culture. Someone that understands the speak of the culture, and then you know that is that someone that's able to see where the gaps are. And then, of course, we also have to have people who are interested, who also want to see the gap and are willing to help the gap. So, yes, we had to assure Stan, uh, yes, please, we would love to have you and, and your ideas. No, yeah. it's why, why we are being very exclusive to the Black community, we are not be, uh, 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 excluding anyone in terms of what they want to uh, contribute. It's geared to us, uh, Black people with MS, but we welcome anyone who has the heart, who cares, and who has the ability and knowledge to contribute to this. There are many, or very many, or very well-meaning people who nevertheless carry through life certain assumptions, and those assumptions and those beliefs are barriers to really understanding what's going on. And certainly I think that people who want to ask something or say something or contribute something, know they don't have to be African-American, but they also have to understand that they may not have it right. And it's very, very important that, uh, you know, the, the, the judge and jury is not white, it's black. It's very, very important. <laughs> Yeah. And I love the fact that not only is there, you know, diversity amongst the leadership, we have uh, diverse, uh, you know, uh, amounts of time. We've been in the neurology space. Each of us, you know, Annette is our clinical trial maven and Stan is our clinical trial expert. I'm the speaker podcast person that also does research, you know, but we each have our own niche and that's what makes it unique. And it makes us able to blend together to, to really try to make this a project that's impactful to the whole community. So uh, 400 so far, uh, which is great for a pandemic. Um, what is our goal? 20,000, 30,000, as many as we can get. If we can get all 100,000 potentially, <laughs> we will take everyone that we can get. So, you know, we would love for people to get involved uh, with the research registry. The website is there in the chat. Um, it is uh, namsar.org, N-A-A-M-S-R.org. And before we close up, I just want to um, uh, give Annette and Stan a chance uh, to say kind of what are we hopeful for in the future or what do we hope to accomplish? We've kind of touched on it, but kind of parting thoughts about what our goals are, what, what's our pie in the sky uh, from, from this project and from hopefully other projects that will stem from this registry. Well, okay, I'll go first. I'm, I'm very hopeful. I'm excited and I'm hopeful. Uh, I mean, we have come so far and the sky is the limit. But I also want to remind uh, people that uh, when you do register, please fill out the uh, the survey because from those surveys is how we, we get uh, the data that we need to really state our case and stand up and say, this is why we need uh, a separate registry. This is why we need a registry that focuses 
on this population. So when uh, you do go to register and you get the email a week later, please fill out the survey. We're hoping to make this a, a source of rich data, of good data given to us by the patients who are walking in the, in the shoes of MS. And there's no better data than that. And we can take from there and, and then uh, uh, examine the needs of the population and then put, uh, 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 put in place a different treat, uh, treatment, different ideas that will help close that gap, that will help patients advocate for themselves and also educate the patients. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have your physician to sign up for it. You can sign up for it yourself. So you can go to the website and sign up um, directly. It's all patient-driven. It's all, all patient-driven. Patient -driven. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Anything yeah. you want to add, Stan? Mm -hmm. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> Always something to add. <laughs> um, look, I've been practicing medicine for more than 50 years. That automatically makes me different than everybody else. Probably on the call. Um <laughs> And what I always wanted from the time I was very young, just starting a rookie, was I always wanted to do the best I could for every person I was going to take care of. I still feel that way. I feel passionately about it. It is totally, totally, totally wrong and totally unacceptable that any specific group of people or any specific person arbitrarily has less access to the best care we can provide. And yet the history of the medical care of black Americans has been woefully, not just deficient, that's too kind of description. We have to have advocacy. Everybody knows that. And by creating numbers, a block of people who represent the benefits and the well-being of their fellow people is needed. We must always strive for a quality in care and quality in care. And we really believe, and this is the reason we're doing this, is the reason we've created this registry is we think that if we get the wholehearted endorsement of the African-American multiple sclerosis community, it will be a powerful tool mm -hmm. to advocate for what has been shame, shamefully missing. Yeah. And I don't think I could say it any better than that. You know, I think that the passion um, is evident uh, for those of us that have been involved. I spend many late Friday nights on meetings with these guys and yes, they spend their Friday <laughs> evenings. It is truly a labor of love. And um, what an amazing, you know, thing to see this dream come to fruition. So um, I hope everyone gets involved. Um, please share. Uh, please uh, share this uh, podcast with your friends, for those in the community please go to the website namsar.org um, and sign up for the registry and I will see all of my brain chat friends in two weeks for our next episode during MS Awareness Month with several of my favorite MS advocates please also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast Brain Chat with the Nerdy Neurologist on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and where all podcasts are uh, housed so thank you so much to Dr. Annette Kai and Dr. Stan thank Cohen you for having for us spending this time with us. me um, and with our Brain Chat family and everyone have a wonderful you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who tuned in.